You know, there's something about the Christmas season that we really, really desire to have like that white Christmas experience, that we really desire to have that white Christmas or that right Christmas, or we desire to have that hallmark card experience on Christmas time. I mean, I'm talking about to where you have this experience of Christmas to where there's, there's just no drama, to where there's no family feuds, there's no awkward moments, there's no difficult conversations, there's no, no strained relationships. But we really desire just to have that white Christmas hallmark moment to where we just kind of get in the flow and we're given the right gifts and we're getting the right gifts. And Oh, and by the way, men, you may want to take notes. David Lewis is a psychologist. And he began to look at the issue of stress for Christmas and around the holiday season. David Lewis did a scientific controlled study and he found this. He found that, that shopping is hazardous to a man's health. Um, that's a fact. Fact is, he took in a control. Ladies, I'm telling you, uh, he took a controlled study of men ages from 29 to 79 years of age. He took them and sent them out into the mall to where he monitored to them. And 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 well, I'll just read you what he wrote of his conclusions, so you know it's not a preacher just making this stuff up. But here's what he wrote. He said the blood pressure rates are what you would expect for a fighter pilot going into combat when you send a man into the mall. So, ladies, you, be, you could be leading your husbands into a short death, a short life, uh, by forcing them to, to shop. But we really desire, right? I mean, we really desire that, that white Christmas, that holiday hallmark experience. And a lot of times Christmas can be just so stressful and so difficult to... Even the simple thing of hanging Christmas lights can be stressful, right? I mean, there's a story about a husband and a wife, and, and the wife wanted her husband to hang Christmas lights, and, and he kept refusing to because he wanted to go play golf with his buddies, and he didn't want to be hanging lights. And so, so it went on all day long, and then, well, after a night on the couch, uh, he woke up the next morning. His wife had already gone shopping, and, well, he just had second thoughts. And so he wrote her a, a letter that she got when she returned from shopping, and, and uh, here's what he wrote. He said, hey, sweetheart, I'm sorry about getting into an argument about putting up the Christmas lights. I guess that sometimes I feel like you're just pushing me way too hard when you just want something. I realize that I was wrong, and, and I'm apologizing for being such a hard-headed guy. All I want is for you to be happy and to be able to enjoy the Christmas season. Nothing brightens the Christmas spirit like Christmas lights. So I took some time and I hung the lights for you today and now I will be off to the golf course playing golf. Again, I am very, very sorry for the way I acted yesterday. I'll be home later. Love you. Uh, we, we have a picture of the Christmas lights that he hung. <laughs> they look better lit, I promise you. <laughs> but there's something about... There's just something about Christmas. There's something about the Christmas holiday that we just, we have this vision and we have this desire that we just want a right Christmas, a white Christmas, a hallmark experience where everything's just, it's just working out for us and it's just, it's just going our way. Now listen, you would think, me being a pastor that we would always have that white Christmas experience, right? I mean, me being a reverend and me being a pastor and pastoring a church, you would just think that, you know what? I bet they have a white Christmas, that Hallmark experience, every year. Well, let me just give you a glimpse into the Jones household this year. 
about four months ago, we got a bright idea that we could remodel our house ourselves. And so it was just kind of learn as you go. And so it added a lot of stress and a lot of pressure to our house. Fact is, all of the traditions that we have held we're no longer able to accomplish. I mean, my wife was without a, uh, a kitchen for four weeks. I will never forget that, you know, our house went from this clean, organized house where everything was in its place to like this contaminated house that was contaminated with dust and sawdust and sheetrock and, and even insulation from the ceiling. I'll never forget one night we were in the kitchen and Karen was, was vacuuming with the, the shop vac and, and I just nonchalantly said, I looked at her and I says, hey, when you finish with the floor, would you mind vacuuming out the sink? And she like looked at me and says, I never thought I'd ever hear you say that in our house. And so every tradition fact is the only one in our house with a Christmas picture is the dog. And that's because our groomer took the picture when we had her groom for her Christmas cut. And uh, we were... And I'm just telling you, it is just crazy. We, uh, we were running late, wanted a Christmas tree. We have a tradition of going up into the mountains and cutting a Christmas tree down. And so uh, we forgot to check the weather. We were running late and, and needed to get back for church. We got up into the mountains. And, and I'm telling you, off the trail, it, snow was up to, to your waist. And, and so we had to just cut a, a tree right off the trail. Uh, it was a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. We threw it on the SUV. We're running late for church. We're headed back. And Karen sees the silhouette of our SUV uh, uh, you know, on the side of the road, and she looks over and she screams. To which I look over to see the silhouette of our uh, of our of our car with our tree stuck straight up doing this. <laughs> I think it's going to take off, but it wouldn't have been a big deal because it was a Charlie Brown Christmas tree. And, and you know, really and truly, our house is a picture of our world today. And the reason that I'm telling you this is is this that our house was once clean and neat and everything organized. And then it was contaminated by dirt and filth and sawdust. And the reason I tell you that is because of this. You and I cannot understand the glory of Christmas. We cannot understand the power of Christmas until you understand you cannot save yourself. That we live in a world that is not perfect we live in a world that has been contaminated by sin with Adam and Eve bringing it in. And then you compound that with our individual sin. And you and I cannot understand the power of Christmas and how special Christmas is until we get to the point that we can't save ourselves. In other words, that we're in need of a rescue. You will not know how many times Karen and I sat in our house with sawdust and insulation and wires hanging everywhere saying, you know what, we just need someone to rescue us. We just need someone that has the ability to come in and to help us. On February the 1st, 2003, the space shuttle Columbia re-entered the Earth's atmosphere. And boy, we know the story in it. It blew apart. And seven astronauts... Seven astronauts lost their life because of that accident. NASA did a stir survey and a, and a study about what went wrong, what happened. And after many months, they concluded this, that there was a small piece of breakaway foam that broke away from a fuel tank. It was a small piece, less than a pound. And it broke away, and it hit the left wing and put a small indentation or knock some tiles off of it just enough so the shuttle Columbia could not take the heat of re-entry into the Earth's atmosphere. 
For the next 15 days, 22 hours, seven astronauts went about their daily duties, their activities, the job assignments that they had been given, not knowing that they were in deep need of of a rescue. NASA engineers understood and knew that the foam had broken away from the fuel tank and struck the shuttle Columbia. They debated about the danger. They debated about all these issues. They debated that it comp- compromised the integrity of the spaceship. And after a few days, they sent an email. The flight director sent an email to shuttle Columbia and said, we've looked at it. There's no need to be concerned. Everything is okay. It's minimal damage. But the crew was in deep need of escape. And even if they had have known the danger, they could not have saved themselves. They had no idea that they were in need of an escape and rescue. But the truth is, if they had have known, all the duct tape in the world could not have saved their lives. And the seven astronauts that were doomed in that spacecraft are a picture of the spiritual condition of mankind. You and I will never understand the power, the depth of Christmas until we understand that we cannot save ourselves, that we are in deep need of a rescue. We can go about our daily duties We can go about our activities. We can go about our jobs. We can go about our relationships. We can go about celebrating our holidays without being aware that we just need someone to rescue us. Because the truth is, what the Bible says, we cannot rescue ourselves. And we live in a day and we live in a time when the experts are telling us, no need to worry. The scientists will save us. The scientists will learn how to save the planet. They will tell us things like education will save us. Military strength will save us. uh, Economic power will save us. They tell us things like the politicians will save us. But we cannot understand the depths and the power of Christmas until you understand that, you know what? We're in deep need because we cannot save ourselves. For the Bible says... The wages of sin are death. And every one of us needs a Savior for the forgiveness of sin. Here's what the Christmas story says. Watch this, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child of the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son. And so watch this, and you may not have known this, but Jesus actually had two names. Jesus was given two names. And names in the New Testament and names in the Old Testament talked about the character, talked about the destiny, talked about who they were. Talked, it was very, very deep when you look at names. And so all of a sudden they were instructed that Jesus Christ, or 
you know this, right? They didn't refer to Jesus as Jesus in the New Testament. They referred to his Hebrew name, Yeshua. And so here's what they write. They said, she will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Why? For he will. For we, he will save, watch this, his people from their sins, not to their sins. And then he goes on. And all this take place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name. So it was for, for you shall name his, him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And they, who are they? Israel. This was fulfilling a messianic prophecy. This was a sign that Jesus, God with us. And so it was a sign to them. For they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? Which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded. And he took her as his wife. Man, the scripture says that Jesus' name Yeshua means salvation, means he will save his people from their sins. He will rescue them. Emmanuel means God with us. You see, God did not look down on Bethlehem in that barn and in that nativity scene and says, there is a fine specimen of a young man. I think I will make him God one day. I think I will use him, and one day he will go to the cross and die. He will become a God, and he will go to the cross and die for the forgiveness of sins. No, we don't talk about the adoption of Jesus Christ. We talk about the incarnation of Christ, the second person of the Trinity. He is God with us, God who became flesh and dwelt among us. There are some people that will say, well, wait a minute. (coughs) God, Jesus, never claimed to be God. This was just something that was exaggerated by his followers or his disciples. But yet, over and over, Jesus made the claim to be God. He says, before Abraham, I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. Fact is, one of the very reasons that Jesus was crucified is because of his claim to be God. John 5.18 says this. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him. Because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God as his own father. Watch this. And making himself equal with God. Now, if Jesus claims to be God, then he should have been able to prove it, right? I mean, if I claim to you that I was... Albert Albert Einstein or Elvis Presley, you would want some kind of proof, right? If I said I was Albert Einstein, then you'd say, hey, discuss with us the theory of relativity. If I said I was Elvis Presley, then you may want me to sing or you may want to say, hey, let let me see you wiggle or let me see you dance. I I just need some proof there. And yet when you look at the life of Jesus Christ, you find that it wasn't just a claim that he made, but it was a claim that he proved over and over and over from a supernatural birth, from living a perfect and a, and a godly life, from teaching from such deep truth that people knew that this could not have been of man, the miracles that he performed, and, and he even predicted that after the cross that he would rise on the third day. At his crucifixion, there is this man 
He wasn't a God follower. He wasn't a Christ follower. He was a centurion. And his duties were to, to oversee and watch the death of the criminals on the cross. This man had seen hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of criminals die on the cross. And he stood there and he watched Jesus Christ go to the cross. He watched him crucified. And this man declared, truly, this man is the Son of God. From his predictions, from after the crucifixion appearing to the disciples, and the scripture says that one day he will come again. He's the one that said, I'm the resurrection and the in the life and whoever believes in me I will rescue whoever believes in me I will save whoever believes in me will not perish no one could have done these things except God and they said that he would be called Jesus because he would save his people from their personal from their sins That he would not save you to your sins, but he would save you from your sins. He would save you from the penalty of sin. He would save you from the judgment of sin. And he would even save you from the power of sin so it no longer has to dominate your life. Scripture says this in John 3, 17. It says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe in him is condemned already because... He has not believed in the Son, in the name of the only Son of, of God. And the Scripture says, without the shedding of blood, that there would be no forgiveness of sin, and that He came to seek and save and rescue the lost. Without understanding the depth of the problem that you cannot save yourself, Christmas will just be another holiday. Christmas will be just another time with family and giving and getting gifts and you will miss the power and the glory of Christmas you see Jesus offers you salvation by grace and not of works all the other religions in the world it's all about works if you live a certain life that hopefully and maybe you can live a life, you, you can live a life, you can be just good enough of a person to please God. Jesus Christ, it's not of works. It is a grace. And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one, no one comes to the Father except through me. This is a claim that we should not take lightly. We should not ignore And the truth is, is this. You are free because of free will. You are free to trust Christ or you are free to reject him. The wise men in the Christmas story that we're familiar with, they made a decision to receive him, to accept him, to seek him, to find him, to worship him. But Herod, Herod rejected him. See, God wants to rescue you, but he will not kidnap you. He will not force you. You can never understand the power of Christmas until we grab hold of this fact that I cannot live a good enough life, a perfect enough life, a life that is moral enough 
to save myself. And that's why Romans 10.9 tells us this, is if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that, that you will be saved. That if we understand that he is the only one that saves, he is the only one that rescues, he is the only one that forgives sin, if we understand our spiritual condition and turn to him and from our sins, that he gives us eternal life, I'll never forget many years ago, I got an unbelievable inv invitation by a pastor that's in Louisville, Kentucky. His name is Pastor Bob, uh, uh, Bob Russell. Bob Russell pastors a, a, a Christian church in, in Louisville, Kentucky, Southwest Christian Church. It, it's, it's a church of about 30,000 members. And so I went and I spent a, a, week, a week with Bob Russell at his home and in his church. And, and so one time we were in his sanctuary that they had just built. And we're standing on the platform of this. It was like a stadium. It was like this arena. It was 15,000 fixed seating in this room. And we're talking about spiritual things. And we're talking about church. And, and I'm ADD. If you, know, if you know me, you know that. I get distracted really easy. And so there's a bird flying around in the worship center. And so he, he's talking, and, and uh, he's talking, and, I, and, and, and he could tell I was distracted. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing this. And, and so he says, uh, you, you notice the bird? And I go, I, I go, yeah. I says, it looks like that bird doesn't want to be in here. And he goes, well, no. He says, Charlie, the bird doesn't want to be in here. And you know what? We don't want the bird in here either. He says, the birds, birds don't go well with worship centers, and, and they really just make a mess. And so I'm like, well, Bob, i got to know. Is it? How do you guys get them out? He goes, well, it happens all the time. Birds always, when the back doors are open, when the loading docks, it happens all the time. And I said, okay, okay. So how do you get them out? He goes, well, here's what the janitorial staff do. They, they don't shoot them or poison them because, he said, the, the deal is, is not to kill them, but to rescue them. He said, can I tell you what the janitorial staff has learned? He said, it's an amazing thing. He said, they'll come in here after hours. They turn the lights of the worship center completely out. And they turn off the emergency lighting and all the exit lights. And then they go to the loading docks. They go to a door that goes to the outside. They open that door. And they got this big beacon of light. And they shine that light in the door. He said, do you realize birds naturally will fly to the light? They don't like the darkness. They will naturally fly and you know, the truth is the same is true about us. We don't like the darkness. We will naturally fly, naturally walk to the light. That's why Jesus Christ says, man, I'm the light. And anyone who follows me, they will never walk in darkness ever again. They will have peace and they will have comfort. Imagine if the NASA engineers knew that shuttle Columbia would never be able to re-enter the atmosphere and they sent up another shuttle and they emailed the astronauts and said, said you're in doom, you're, you're, you're headed for destruction, we are sending up another spacecraft for you. Imagine if they had sent up another sh a spacecraft and that spacecraft had gotten up there and connected, docked with Shuttle Columbia. They opened their hatch and they knocked on the door of Shuttle Columbia. Do you think those astronauts would have said, is there another way? Is there a better way? Is this the 
only way? You see, really, we started this talk out with talking about this issue of we really desire a white Christmas. And since 1976, and I remember that day very specifically, I can tell you with all integrity that every year I've experienced a white Christmas. In fact, is the truth is that anybody who is in Christ experiences a white Christmas regardless of the situation, the circumstances that surround their Christmas. Isaiah says this. Isaiah says, I will take your sins that are like scarlet and I will make them as white as snow. You will never understand the power of Christmas till you understand the depth of the problem. You cannot save yourself. Spiritually, every one of us is in a deep need of a rescue. He will not kidnap you. You have a choice. This Christmas, have you experienced a white Christmas? Do you know that you know that you know? Or do you need to experience a white Christmas and ask him to come into your life, forgive you of your sins, and give you the gift of eternal life? Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? Let me just ask you. Maybe this is a, has been a hectic day and a hectic Christmas season for you. And maybe even as I'm talking, it's just hard for your mind to quit racing and settle down. And maybe, just maybe, just maybe, that God brought you into this room, into this church, just so you would stop long enough and just be still for just a moment to understand the depth of the problem and our need of a rescue. If you've never met Christ... It is our prayer that you would experience a white Christmas and you'd turn from your sins and ask him to come into your life and just forgive you of your sins and give you the gift of eternal life and then start walking with him in obedience. In just a few minutes, Aaron's going to play and as he plays, we're just going to give you just a few minutes to sit still before him. And if you've made a decision for the first time to follow him or have a prayer request, there's a connect card in your bulletin. And just, just take that out and just complete that. I just pray for you. Father, we thank you for tonight. Father, we thank you for your love and we thank you for your grace. Father, we thank you that regardless of what's going on in this world and regardless of what's going on in our family and regardless of what's going on with the plans, that we can experience a white Christmas, the miracle of Christmas, is that you dwelt among us and that you have the power and the desire to take our sins that are like scarlet and turn them white as snow. Would you move in this place? 
Would this be a white Christmas for all of us? For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.